Stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, visit www.3cr.org.au. Because we got the alternative energy right. making our free autonomy. And welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. Hi, my name's Mara. This episode of the Radioactive Show was recorded and produced on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri and Noongar people for 3CR Melbourne. On this week's show, we head west. First, we'll get an update from nuclear-free campaigner at the Conservation Council of WA, Mia Pepper, about the Vimy Resources Plan to establish WA's first-ever uranium mine at Mulga Rock and how the community is determined to stop it. Then we'll hear from Lee Tan, Policy Coordinator at AidWatch, about the current status of the proposal from Australian Rare Earth Miner Linus to establish a processing facility and waste dump near Kalgoorlie and the impacts those operators have overseas. My name is Mia Pepper and I'm the Nuclear Free Campaigner at Conservation Council of WA. Thanks so much for joining us on the Radioactive show today. Um, We'd like to talk a little bit about Mulga Rocks. Can you tell us about that place? Where is it? What's it like? Why is it special? Sure. Um, Mulga Rock is about 240 kilometres northeast of Kalgoorlie in Western Australia. It's in the Great Victorian Desert and is part of what's called the Yellow Sandplain Priority Ecological Community. Um, so it's a mixture of... Um, of like dense vegetation and then also big sand hills and xanthorea trees um, and that it's home to quite a few rare endangered vulnerable species um, particularly at this site there's the um, the sandhill dunna which is an endangered species there's the brush-tailed mulgara um, the marsupial mole which are both listed as um, threatened and vulnerable and there's the Wama python, and also they get visits from the migratory species, the rainbow bee eater, which is um, a protected species. Um, yeah, it's it's quite beautiful. There's not been heaps of development in the area, so not a lot of um, farming or agriculture or mining. There's now a really big gold mine to the north, Tropicana, um, and there is a, a station, a pastoral station um, to the west, um, but yeah, that that particular area has not been hugely messed with. Um, there was exploration in the eighties um, by a Japanese company, also looking for uranium. Um, but its more recent history has been that a community just to the south at Kunana was where a lot of the Spinifex people who migrated or, or fled really South mm. Australia after Aralinga weapons test settled in um, in Kunana when they were escaping the, the impacts from the nuclear weapons testing then and made it home and connected with the local Wangatha people um, and and became custodians for that area. So there's, um, yeah, lots of important sort of sites around there um, and there's now, since January 2021, there's now an active a registered native title claim over that area by the Upali Upali Nurja people. 
Um, and so, yeah, we've been talking to them about that area and why that area is special to them. And, and they're really, um, lots of people in that claim are really keen to fight this project, the proposed uranium mine there. So uh, on that, what's about the proposed uranium mine? What, what are they trying to achieve there and where are they currently up to in the approvals process? Sure. Well, the company is called Vimy Resources. Um, they were called Energy Minerals Australia and, and um, they changed their name recently, well, not that recently, a couple of years ago. There's four uranium deposits in the area and they're kind of calling it Mogul Rock East and Mogul Rock West. Um, they got environmental approval to mine uranium under the Liberal government, the Barnett government, in 2016, just before the state election, and it was part of, um, you know, a push from the Liberal government to approve as many uranium mines as possible before they were set to lose government, which they did. So it's a it's a pretty nasty legacy from that government. Um, that environmental approval at a state level has a five-year time limit on it. So part of the conditions for that approval says you've got to start, you've got to substantially commence mining by the 16th of December 2021, which we're getting really, really close to. Um, with uranium mines, there's a lot of other approvals other than an environmental approval. So the company have spent the last five years getting um their manage a whole suite of management plans approved and they've just had some pretty significant ones a, a mine mining proposal approved and that includes a mine closure plan and that that was some pretty big ones now that they've got those they feel that they they can start doing quite a lot of work on the site to try and demonstrate substantial commencement. So we're really, like now we're about four weeks away. We've been looking at satellite images with the help of the Australian Conservation Foundation um, and tracking what they're doing. And they have cleared a huge um, area of native vegetation. But when you add it up, it's less than 1% of the whole project um, clearing that they would do. Um, so not we think that it's not enough to say that they've substantially commenced, but it is enough to have done some significant environmental damage. And what we've been really concerned about is that they've cleared in known Sandhill Dunnart uh, habitat. And so the Sandhill Dunnart is an endangered species. And what's really significant about this is that one of their secondary approvals that they need, and there's a condition to their federal environmental approval, is that they need a Sandhill Dunnart conservation plan. And we've found out um, over the last week that they don't have that plan. That plan hasn't been approved. And we know from the satellite imaging that they have started clearing in Sandhill Dunnart habitat. So we've, yeah, we've been really disturbed by that, particularly because this project doesn't have legs. They don't have a final investment decision. They don't have the capital to start the mining. What they're doing is strategically destroying vegetation to try and meet this condition to try and prove substantial commencement. I don't know if they've strategically destroyed Sandhill Dunnart habitat, but they've definitely cleared vegetation in an attempt to prove substantial commencement and we think that's deeply irresponsible and it's even more irresponsible that they've done that in in Sandhill Dunnart um, habitat without 
an approved plan. Um, so, yeah, that, that plan needed to be approved by the federal minister and we've written now to the federal minister, the federal department, um, the state minister or the state attorney general who's representing the minister for environment in this case and uh, the state department to say what, you know, what's going on. I hope you get some good answers. It seems outrageous that substantial making a substantial start on the project should have substantial negative impact on the environment there. That's just outrageous. So what do you think the impacts are of the current activities, apart from what you've already alluded to? Um, yeah, well, I guess the impact on the environment is is that, yeah, we've lost some um, pretty important native vegetation and habitat and that's sad that will take years to recover from um, but I guess on a political scale the impact of this has been a show that the company is willing to do whatever it takes to get this mine off the ground despite all logic and reason um, and that they're willing to take unreasonable and destructive actions to feather their own nest. So mm. we're fronting up to their annual general meeting next Friday and traditional owners um, from that Upali Upali Nurita native title claim are travelling to Perth to talk to shareholders next week. Um, yeah, well, they'll raise a number of issues, but the issue, I guess, that, that this group, that the claimant group are going to raise is the fact that They've also started proceeding, clearing and, and um, impacting the site without a any um, consultation with the Native Title Claimant Group and, um, and any kind of interest in starting a negotiation process for an area use agreement. Um, so that's been, you know, another layer of disappointment and insult to injury for that community because, mm. you know, the company has been the best part of the last decade denying that any Aboriginal people are connected to that country. You know, they've magically stumbled across the one part of Australia um, and then only to find now that in that there is actually a registered native title claim. So um, it's pretty hard for them to, I think, recover from their position that they've taken over the last decade where they've denied the existence or the, the presence of people. Oh, that's so terrenalious. It's disgusting. Um, yeah. I hope that the shareholders at the AGM have their ears open and hear what people have to say. Um, what is the Conservation Council of WA calling for? Like, what would you like to see as a way forward coming out of, firstly, the government and also mm. out of Vinnie? So we're calling on, well, we're calling on Vinnie to immediately stop action, stop any activity at the site until they have all their approved plans in place. Um, we're calling on the government to investigate uh, the alleged breaches, so investigate this clearing and the Sandhill Dunnock Conservation Plan. And also um, another issue at the site is that they've, so they, this, this might be too much, <laughs> too much detail, but um, the plan that they originally had environmental approval for was not just a uranium mine but a uranium, nickel, cobalt, zinc, copper mine um, and what they've got um, approved in their mining plan now is just a uranium mine and so the impact of that is that they've 
had to change out the type of processing plant and in turn that changes out what the output of tailings will be and changes the geochemical makeup of that and the potential threat and impact to the environment from those tailings. Um, And so we've also referred that to the WA EPA and said this project actually needs to be reassessed because it's substantially different from what they have environmental approval for. So There's nothing like the original proposal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what, Mayor Pepper, can people do to support the campaign? Well, so the AGM is the company, Vimy Resources, their annual general meeting is next Friday, the 26th of November at 10.30 WA time, which I think would be 1.30 p.m. for some of your listeners in the eastern states. Um, So what would be amazing is if you could amplify that and let people know that that's happening by going onto um, Nuclear Free WA on Facebook um, or going onto ccwa.org.au um, and clicking on the event, say you're coming to the event or um, and then look out for a live stream. And so when the protest is actually happening and we're doing a press conference and talking to people, um, if you could amplify that by by sharing that on your social media, that would really help amplify the issue. And, um, and yeah, we need, we need profile. We need people to understand what's happening and the risk here. I mean, um, this would be the first uranium mine approved in WA ever. You know, it would be the first uranium mine in WA ever. It would be the first uranium mine nationally since, um, since Beverly Four Mile in South Australia, and that's significant. Um, and with the uranium price as low as it is, it just it doesn't make sense. And, um, and yeah, we need to take this as serious as the company are for you know for better or worse. Need to leave it in the ground. Yeah. Wow. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Just thanks for taking the time to talk to us about what's happening over here. Yeah, we you know we're uh, feel like we're copying it a little bit on on the uranium issue and with you know um, visits from nuclear subs and um, and today's news also that there's um, a kind of stealthy radioactive waste um, project happening outside of Kalgoorlie as well. There's there's a lot going on in WA. So yeah, keep your eyes on the west and and um, yeah. Any support is appreciated. That's yeah, it's amazing that it's been kept in the ground so long, and hopefully, it will continue thanks to all the nuclear free campaigners' west side. Um, thank you so much for your time and insights on the Mogga Rock situation, Mayo. Um, we'll get you back on the show in the future for an update if that's all right. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks Excellent. for having us. Thanks so much. You're listening to the radioactive show broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We just heard from Mia Pepper, nuclear-free campaigner at the Conservation Council of WA, about how Vimy Resources is destroying endangered western Dunnart habitat in an attempt to show that they've made enough progress to meet the conditions set before they can progress their plan for WA's first uranium mine at Mulga Rock. 
On the 15th of August 2019, the Malaysian government announced that as a condition of Linus's Malaysian operating licence renewal, Linus must have a replacement cracking and leaching facility, that is the proposed rare earth processing facility, in place somewhere other than Malaysia by 2023. To meet this condition, the proposed schedule requires commissioning of the proposed rare earth processing facility by mid-2022 and full operation by mid-2023. This means that in order to continue their Malaysian operations, Linus need their proposal for the processing facility to be approved quite quickly. If the proposal had been subject to federal approval process, the deadline set by the Malaysian licence condition would not be met. Such conditions should not compromise environmental safeguards and the reputation of corporate governments in Australia. While rare earths are important for many renewable technologies, we can't let the transition to renewables replicate the negative impacts of extractive industries. Next, next, we'll get an update, we'll get an update from Leighton from Leighton from Aid Watch about the Linus about the application, application for a rare, rare earth processing facility in Kalgoorlie. Let's hear from Leighton now. Hi, Lee. Thanks for joining us on the Radioactive show today. Um, can you just uh, tell us a bit about yourself and what work you're doing? Well, I'm at the moment the policy coordinator for Aid Watch um, and also the technical advisor for Safe Malaysia Stop Liners and very actively involved with the um, various groups in Malaysia um, looking at the Linus um, Rare Earth. Um, operation in Malaysia and more recently also linked up with the Kalgoorlie community to look at Linus proposed Kalgoorlie rare earth plant. Can you give us an update about that, about the rare earth processing facility that Australian miner Linus want to establish in Kalgoorlie? Where are they up to with the approvals process? Just recently, the WA EPA has uh, approved the, uh, the proposed Kalgoorlie rare earth, uh, not a refinery, but secondary processing plant. Um, and we are at the appeal period right now. Um, it's conditional. The approval is conditional on Linus sending all the waste back to its Mount Well um, mine, subject to radioactive um, waste management plan. Um, actually, I'm about to ask groups in WA to get the waste management plan um, to make sure that it is um, up to international standard and, and in accordance with uh, Australian regulation and radioactive safety and protection policy. So we have just launched our appeal last week together with some of the community members who are not happy still with the secondary processing plant being located just a few kilometres from uh, the city of Kalgoorlie, Boulder. Um, as we know, rare earth processing uh, involves huge amount of um, acid and strong reagent at very high temperature. And as such, you know, the amount of... Um, toxic gas and uh, dust and so on and so forth um, will be released in that process. Uh, and on top of that, you've got this massive amount of um, uh, waste that are contaminated both with um, the long-living radionuclides of thorium and uranium and also other toxic 
heavy metals and chemicals. Basically, um, nobody really wanted to live near a rare earth um, processing plant or rare earth mine. Um, and as we all know, these radionuclides are sources of ionizing radiation, and that can cause cell mutation even at very low dose, especially when it's not managed well, it can actually lead to cancer uh, through long-term exposure. So that's the Kaguli one. We're waiting for EPA to look at our appeal and to deliberate from from that. We we are asking the uh, EPA to reconsider its decision on locating the secondary processing plant near Kalguli Boulder. Um, we believe that it needs to be as close to Mount Weld in isolated and remote locations, subject to traditional owner's approval and um, informed consent. So the original proposal we spoke to on a radioactive show um, a few months ago, they originally wanted to put the rare earth processing facility near Kalgoorlie and yep. effectively a radioactive waste dump, which they were calling a something a PDF, um, on the other side of town. So the waste would have had to be through Kalgoorlie. They've rejected that aspect of the proposal, haven't they? But yep. they've still given conditional approval for the processing facility that you think should be relocated to closer to the mine site at Manuel, if it exists at all. Is that right? Yeah. So does the the, the Linus operations in um, WA and any approvals they get have any implications for their activities in Malaysia? The fact that the radioactive contaminated waste has to have to be sent back to Malwell is a very positive step in the right direction. And it is in line with WA uh, naturally occurring radioactive material or norm waste management uh, guideline. Um, whereas the Malaysian plant, um, by you know pushing Malaysia to have the PDF or the permanent disposal facility, so-called, is actually um, not really a good solution because when Malaysia, which is a wet tropical country, um, you know, subject to major floods and, um, you know, tropical rainstorm on a regular basis um, can be safe, you know, to put such a large radioactive waste dump. Um, I mean, to think the, as a comparison, if in Australia we cannot accept radioactive waste dump in semi-arid and desert um, area, on scientific grounds that it is still unsafe, what more it, you know, it, it will be for a country like Malaysia to accept it. I mean, we're talking about the world's biggest radioactive waste dump here because of the huge amount of waste that oh. Linus has generated. Wow. Uh, so what outcome would you like to see? Um, given that, you know, the waste from the proposed Kalguri secondary processing plants got to be sent back to Malweld, there will be a waste management plan in place. It's not really a waste dump, but it's to backfill the mine pit 
of course, it's still subject to WA and Australian radioactive protection and safety guidelines, which will be much um, better than the, you know, having the waste stored in Malaysia. Back in 2012, it's not like a waste dump, but it's really backfilling, but subject to, you know, a properly well scrutinized, hopefully, radioactive waste um, plan, uh, waste management plan. Now, back in 2012, Linus is actually given a legal undertaking to, in Malaysia to remove that waste. So really, Linus needs to adhere to that condition. Unfortunately, the problem with Malaysia is some of the corrupt politicians um, that are very powerful in Malaysia are now taking using the waste as a uh, money-generating exercise for their own private gains. Uh, Linus has awarded the contract to a company that's linked with the southern of the state of Pahang, where the plant is located. Um, so, you know, when it is, there is monetary incentive, uh, Malaysia is reluctant to let go of the waste you, at the expense of the public health and its environment. And, and that's the problem, you know, when you have a plant like Linus that generates so much waste and pollution in a corrupt country, citizens will always um, suffer. Um, and the environment will also suffer alongside with it. Oh, and in Malaysia, yeah, right now, Linus is proposing to build its waste dump in a pit swamp, a pit uh, mangrove swamp. Um, and the mangrove itself is supposed to be a protected reserve because it is an important mangrove area for Malaysia. It's, um, but Linus is uh, in his current proposal, proposing to dig a big hole, uh, extract all the pit from, from, from it to then, you know, fill it with other materials to build its radioactive waste dump. And that in itself is ridiculous because peatland is a very um, strong carbon store. Digging out the pit essentially released the carbon into into uh, back into the surface, uh, which goes against the climate change um, uh, solution, which Linus kept claiming that it is doing through mm. its bad, um, operations. Yeah, so we are in the middle of uh, uh, writing submission to object to that proposal. Well, best of luck with the submissions, and I hope that your appeal to the WA EPA goes as well as possible to get a good outcome for people and the environment. Um, thank you so much for joining us on the Radioactive Show. When there's more updates, we'll get you back on. Thanks so much, Lee. Thank you, Mara. Bye. Thanks so much to Mia Pepper from CCWA for the update about the destructive push from Vimy Resources for a uranium mine at Mulga Rock, and to Lee Tan from Aidwatch for the update about Linus plans for a rare earth processing facility in Kalgoorlie. There's a lot going on in WA. For more information, go to ccwa.org.au and aidwatch.org.au. Don't forget to go to Nuclear Free WA on Facebook to help amplify the issues at Mulga Rock at the upcoming Visi Resources AGM.
Thanks for listening to The Radioactive Show. You can download the podcast of this program at 3cr.org.au slash radioactive. If you'd like to get in contact, you can email us on radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com. The Radioactive Show was produced for 3CR with the support of Friends of the Earth's Nuclear Free Collective on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation in Fitzroy, Victoria, and it's broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Thanks for listening and tune in again next week for more news and views on nuclear, peace and energy issues.